Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. At Training Industry, it's our business to know what makes a great training organization. Our annual top training companies lists are developed based on extensive research and analysis of training providers operating around the world. We examine the capabilities and expertise of hundreds of learning organizations with the mission of creating a more informed learning marketplace. With categories focused on segments in learning services, leadership, learning tech, and more, our top training companies lists are designed to help you find the right training partner. To view our entire suite of top training companies lists, click the link in the show notes for this episode. Welcome back to the Business of Learning. I'm Sarah Gallo, Senior Editor here at Training Industry. And I'm Michelle Eggleston Schwartz, Editor-in-Chief. We're excited to kick off the Business of Learning seventh season with an episode on a topic that couldn't be more timely, learning technology trends and advancements. From recent advancements in artificial intelligence to immersive learning solutions and much more, the learning tech space is an exciting and fast-paced segment of the corporate training market. But for busy learning leaders, navigating the world of learning tech can be overwhelming to say the least. So today we're excited to speak with Dr. Stella Lee, Chief Learning Strategist at Paradox Learning, and Elizabeth Green, Global Senior Director of L&D at Land Research, to hear their thoughts on the future of learning tech and for real world advice and tips that can help you, our listeners, keep pace with these trends and innovations. So with that, Dr. Lee and Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Great to be here. Yes, welcome. We're recording this episode in January 2024. What learning technology trends or predictions do you anticipate we'll see this year? Dala, do you want to go first? Sure. I was going (laughs) to wait and see if you want to jump in, but I mean, um, it's always really difficult to predict and um, and and there are many um, many indicators of emerging trends this year. Um, of course, um, the biggest one I think everybody talks about is artificial intelligence AI, right? Um, writing off of the year that we had last year, I think that would continue. Um, my take is it's going to be uh, ubiquitous. Like it's not just going to be. It, in fact, it would become transparent it, it won't even be a question of like do you have AI but more like what kind of AI uh, are you using in you know this this tool or this platform right but I, and at the same time I'm not convinced uh, that's transformative quite as yet I, I think uh, if you look at uh, any learning tech adoption it's often uh, lots of lots of excitement at the beginning but um, but a lot of times um, we haven't fully grasped uh, what it means, what the affordance of the technology is, and uh, we're still merely replacing what we currently do um, with a new tech, or perhaps what we currently do that's not even effective with a new tech. So I see um, that would continue to happen this year. Um, along with that, the other thing I see that's happening is um, wearable tech. It's going to eat either make a comeback or make it bigger this year. Uh, Between Apple releasing Vision Pro uh, headset, the virtual reality headset, and also a lot of wearables uh, that are AI enabled in the markets like uh, Huming's um, AI pin, I think um, that will be uh, coming to learning tech as well. Yeah, I have some thoughts as well. The the things that I'm thinking are not necessarily new, but reimagined with stronger use cases to revolutionize what we're doing. So I'm thinking of, I think you mentioned a little bit about it, the immersive learning space. This is, if you think back to 2017, I remember talking to Walmart about what they took a leap of faith with VR and training associates off the floor using Striver to model their store environment and then Oculus headsets. It was Mm -hmm. something the average L&D professional had a hard time selling to their executive teams to obtain that buy-in and funding and really limited use cases. 
now we're in 2024, the expansion of the industrial metaverse, which interestingly enough, two days ago, Siemens announced their partnership with Sony. Sony doing the hardware, Siemens doing the software to enter the mixed reality space through that immersive engineering. So the industrial metaverse gives us new use cases for immersive learning that revolves around digital twins, mirroring, simulating real machines and factories and buildings, cities, grids, transportation systems within the context that the learning experience is also collaborative, which is new and different. So many use cases for engineers, which at LAM Research were mainly have engineering populations. It's helpful to prototype virtually and collaboratively creating those digital twins and then validating designs with fewer resources. So I think now we're seeing more in-house creation of AR VR scenarios combined with tracking real productivity gains, ability to better understand and justify the design and delivery costs, the headsets and the tools more reasonable and accessible. So I think we will see an uptick in immersive learning space and associated extended reality technology to meet those needs. Um, Maybe not second. the Apple headsets yeah. in terms of affordability. <laughs> exactly. They're more affordable now. Um, and I think too, just so much buzz around skills-based learning. Yes. It, I think it will continue to grow. More companies are moving to skills-based organizations through the application of robust skills engines, building out dynamic skills taxonomies. And the good news, many of these skills engines are being ingested by larger HCM system, HCM systems, enabling that holistic approach to managing skills across an organization. And then that feeds into our AI and learning technology to use predictive analytics to identify and address skills gaps, attaching the gaps to learning assets, programs, and experiences, and then dynamically adjusting the curriculum to better learning outcomes. And the next thing that really excites me is continuous learning. So in the L&D space, we're always like, learning is not a one-time event, it's a journey, but how do we, with limited resources, actually accommodate a journey? So I think that with new learning technology, we can support the learner through ongoing engagement, reflection, application, and the ability of learning experience designers to iterate quickly and efficiently to meet those ongoing needs. And the mention of chatbots lately popping up again for things like spaced micro learning nudges, um, intelligent authoring tools like Synthesia, Teachable, Smart Sparrow, where we can gain efficiencies in design and execution of these engaging and continuous learning moments. I think those are going to be really um, important this year. Yeah, so uh, can I tackle what Elizabeth is saying and just adding on to that? Um, so two, two points here. Um, and when you talk about the immersive um, experience with the headsets, I also see that um, there's, there's quite a bit of improvement over the past few years on the hardware front. Um, the headsets are getting a little bit better, lighter weight. Uh, it fits a variety of faces better. So it's it's still not 100% there yet, but it's um, definitely from a design, from, um, from an interface perspective, uh, it's a lot better. Also, it's incorporating uh, with the availability of sensors. Um, it's a lot more haptic uh, interface as well um, that I see um, happening. Um, the other one you talk about the um, the skill space and 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 also the building the in-house, you know, the capability uh, capacity building uh, in-house. Um, I think a lot of LD people are also very concerned, um, very worried uh, with um, with what's happening in the tech space, particularly with AI and generative AI um, happening, it's it's almost like um, like where did this come from? And it certainly blew up um, big time. So uh, a lot of people are also concerned about like how are we going to prepare for that? How are we going to um, position ourselves? And at the same time, like are we? You know, as part of my my job, uh, it's being displaced, or is is how am I going to work collaboratively with with this new tech? Um, so there's that concern as well. So I see upskilling and reskilling is going to be another trend, continuous yeah. trend. Yeah. yeah. 
Definitely. Um, kind of to your point, um, Stella, like AI has been the topic of the year. I think it's just really exploded in, in the past 12 months or so. Um, kind of with that, I love to hear um, kind of your thoughts around like how AI is really um, impacting the learning space. Like how are you seeing it being used? Um, yeah, so AI is not new, as I keep saying to people. Um, it's been around for 70 plus years, maybe longer, some would argue. Um, <laughs> Um, but I think, um, so I've been in this space, I, I have a background in computer science and um, what we research uh, called AI um, like 10, 15 years ago, it's not what AI is doing now, right? We have a lot newer um, techniques. We have much more um, uh, capacity to process data. We, we have uh, cloud computing. And so that's kind of what, um, you know, trigger all the new um, excitement about AI, particularly with generative AI last year. Um, I think what's interesting in the learning tech space is that I see a lot of traditional uh, ed tech companies are now increasingly integrating AI components to their products. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 the, the AI arm race, right? It, it started, um, I don't know, a year ago or a little bit before that. Um, so the market is competitive in that sense. Um, but I see a lot of that being more like a bolt-on approach um, instead of redesigning the underlying system and, and you know taking the whole thing apart and put it back together through an AI-infused model. I see a lot of bigger tech it's like, let's add on another AI piece here. Let's put a chatbot. Let's um, let's put some dashboard with predictive analytics at the end. You know, So I see a lot of that happening. Um, but also last year, there's also a huge influx of AI startups as you, um, as you all see, it's like in thousands. Um, and a lot of them, might or might not survive, but there's certainly this new funding, there's lots of money, lots of venture capital in the space right now. Um, so you see a lot of AI startups, um, and especially for learning. Um, but what's interesting also is that a lot of these AI products um, are not explicitly um, labeled learning tech, but we would end up using that for learning and development and performance support. Um, so it's, you know, from, from L&D professional perspective, it's also uh, increasingly difficult for us to evaluate and 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 select and, and, and implement because we don't even know what's out there. We don't know uh, what would help our L&D world. Um, and, um, and also everybody, all the vendors are claiming very similar things. Uh, things are evolving very quickly. Um, so it's, um, it's challenging, I think, from a um, selection and evaluation perspective, and also from figuring out which product uh, actually enhance and support learning experiences and which one are just, um, you know, it's just more of a hype or more of a um, an, an add-on and not necessarily truly supporting learning. Yeah, I agree. I myself, I'm not an AI expert. Um, for me, it's how you keep on top of the trends. What are the strong use cases yeah. for you within your organization? And it's not going to change. So Stella's the AI expert here and knows about the history of AI, has, has studied it in depth. For me, it's as, an, as a learning and development perspective, professional and trying to figure out how is this impacting the technology space of what I need in my organization and, and what my learners need. It's really understanding about the learner need. So yeah. for me, it's not just what AI is available to us, but how are our learner behaviors, learning preferences and expectations, how those are changing because of the technology around us as that's changing. So I think about I have twins who are in the fourth grade. How they interact with the world, they're building friendships through social gaming and Roblox, they, through their VR games. They're playing with other kids around the world. One is learning to play the cello on YouTube. You know, They're eventually going to be using 
AI study tools like StudyFetch that generate study sets and flashcards based on notes. Maybe they'll be paired with an AI-powered educational robot like Moxie Robot or Obby, which are robots that customize children's learning experiences in real time based on how they're doing in their standardized tests. So the technology we interact with outside of work has changed our learning behaviors, preferences, and expectations. So this learning technology space has to continually adapt and yeah. keep up with these changes as the world is changing and our we have these shrinking attention spans. We need hyper-personalization. We need immediate access. It's hard to keep up with those types of needs, learners' needs. Yeah, and also like it's hard to know um, which type of product truly enhance and support the learning experience, right? Or which one um, maybe more on automation or focus on more the admin aspect of learning. Um, on a, a fun fact, side note, uh, do you guys know there are AI robots now for your dogs as a companion? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> but then it, it begs the question of if you have a dog and you don't have time, you know, to expand with your dog, should should you even have a dog to start with? Or is is, <laughs> yeah. is, is, is buying an AI companion for your dog a, even a solution to the problem, right? Yeah. And I see a lot of that in the learning space as well. Is are we, I mean, are we even addressing the right problem? Um, yeah. Or are we not looking into the, the root cause of what causes this problem to start with? Yeah, it's chal it's challenging our analytical thinking and problem solving. Because <laughs> as learning professionals, I mean, I've been in this field for 20 years and we were known as order takers and the business tells yes. us the program yes. they want, we give them the program. Like it's really challenging our ability to consult with the business and come up with solutions that meet the actual need, not a symptom of a different root. Yeah, it's a culture change, right? Like yeah. mindset, both from uh, both for the L and D professionals, but also for the business in general. Agree. And does your business have a culture where they support, you know, us testing new tools and technologies? Right. Hundred percent agree. <laughs> I love that we have both both Dr. Lee Yu on here, kind of our AI expert, and, and you have that background, and also Elizabeth, who is in this L&D role in an organization and kind of figure out figuring out these technologies. So I'm wondering if maybe you could each share some tips for our listeners, like basic um, kind of beginner tips for implementing AI into their L&D programs and kind of trying to leverage this technology if they don't really know where to get started. Are there any kind of basic tips that you can you can offer those kinds of people? I can give a quick, easy way to start. Um, well, kind of. I think starting with what already might exist. So look at your landscape of learning technology and see mm -hmm. what their roadmaps look like. So for example, with our learning experience platform, we use Percipio, they now have an AI coach function, which is in beta test. So with a limited number of scenarios, but I tested it out a couple of months ago, it's really good way to scale coaching skills for managers in a low risk environment. And I was able to work through a simulated role play, having a pretty difficult performance conversation with a pretend employee. And the AI coach provided great feedback to me afterwards about ways I could be more empathetic, keywords I could use um, and should avoid using when delivering feedback to my pretend employee. It was really real dialogue. I tested it pretty vigorously to see what gaps I could find. And many authoring tools, which our learning experience designers are using, all of them are using some authoring tools to some extent, are implementing AI as part of their design process to create efficiencies on the front end process, text to voice tools, implementing AI translation. So my advice is to just test maybe new features out using existing tools and technology that you already have in place as an easy way to get started. Yeah, I, I uh, couldn't agree more. Um, I, I think um, meeting um, people where they're at too. Um, I think it's good to do a readiness assessment just to take a pulse of where your people at, what are their capability and also the organization, right? Like, like what are you, 
what are you use like why are you even using AI? What what are what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Um, understand without just blindly going into it because everybody's using it. I think um, take a step back, understand your business case would would be a good step. Um, and to um, echo Elizabeth's point about um, trying things out, I think um, don't be afraid with experiment with different tools. Um, a lot of them has well, free trial or, you know, um, you can, you can get a demo, you can, you can try it out. There's freemium models of many of the tools out there. Um, there are AI tool repository, such as Futurepedia is one. And there's another one. I love the name. It's called, there's an AI for that, uh, there's an AI um, for that. It's it's the name of the site, um, which is quite accurate right now. Like you can name anything, there's an AI for that, right? True. Um, and there's thousands, thousands of tools and they have categories. Um, I wouldn't just go into just with education. There's so many other tools that we're using for learning and performance support purposes that are outside the label of education. Um, so I would start with trying out these tools. Um, and I would say also um, in terms of trying to learn more about what I call AI literacy to understand the basics of AI. You don't need to be a data scientist or AI specialist, but you need to learn the basics, right? Like you need to learn a little bit about the history, the common techniques, uh, some of the, the key research or key players, um, because you, you are going to be involved. And I think L&D really need to get involved in the procurement process. I think we often get left out in a decision making. And if your companies are building AI tools in-house, um, also get involved right from the beginning um, to say, well, it, it's what what is this for? Um, how mm -hmm. how is this meeting our needs? Um, it, uh, did we talk to our target uh, end users? Right? Do, do we show it to them? Like, does it make sense? Can they use it? Are you integrating this into their workflow, or is this something they need to? Um, is this disruptive? Is it? Do they have to, you know, learn this? And is it a steep learning curve? And how are we communicating? You know does change with them. I think um, all of that needs to be thought through at the beginning and, and get people involved in it. And understanding the AI basics is gonna help you ask these questions. Yeah, I agree. I think oftentimes l and isn't looked to as maybe a strategic business partner as you're bringing on new tech solutions outside of yeah. HR. So building the relationships with your IT teams yes. or HIRS teams to show the value that you can bring, not just in the, selection process, but then how do you make sure that, that the system that they're implementing is actionable because the employees have to be able to use it? Yeah. And and the other, yeah, I mean, also I think L&D, um, it's, it's not known to be technical, way, right? So perhaps mm -hmm. it's time to change that, that mm -hmm. perception. Um, and, and also to think about, okay, they have a lot of like potential, there's a lot of promises about what AI can do, but also their limitations, uh, learn about them. I think um, ethics, standards, governance are going to be big topics this year. And I think L&D is well positioned to, to take charge of that, to, to, to have a conversation to say, well, we need to be advocating for the learners. Um, are you collecting data for no reasons? Are they violating the learner's privacy? Um, do they know that the data is being collected and interpreted? And, and is it in any way biased or are you leaving out any other groups of people, right? Um, those are things that we need to think about at the beginning of the project, not in the middle of it, because sometimes you can't change that halfway through. Which is often when we get looped in. I know, or toward the end, <laughs> either way. <laughs> those, are, those are such good points. Um, thank you both for sharing. Um, as we know, like with so many tools and technologies available on the market, mm -hmm. determining which learning technologies can best support your training programs is a common challenge for learning leaders. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for selecting learning technology strategically? In my point of view, it's about driving the use case first. 
and then prioritize what will add the greatest value. And tactically speaking, I would say to actually map out and a visual inventory, what are your current learning programs and initiatives, including what technology you're currently using? I love and that. Then I would know, yeah, I'm a visual person. I need to have Yeah, that. yeah, no, it's a great idea. Yeah, I do that too. What are, the, <laughs> what are the challenges that you're facing with your technology or what's your ideal future state you need to have related to execution of mm -hmm. your programs and then pinpoint what are the largest pain points and areas of opportunity and start where you feel a technology upgrade or change will have the greatest impact. Like what is your strongest use case? But definitely do, as Stella said, do your research to see what new technology is out there that might fill the gap. How does that technology align with your learning strategy versus what's the coolest trend out there, but there might not be a strategic alignment for you. And then the big point is ensuring you're aligned with whether you have HRIS or IT teams or both, and you're connecting the dots to any existing systems, what future capabilities there might be. So it's amazing how quickly these HCMs like SAP or Workday are acquiring or yes. creating their own. Okay, so I was surprised to see, we talked about skill engines. They're making their own. Some are acquiring skills engines. Some are creating their own, building and buying out their own talent marketplace buying or creating their own LMS. So you might have some learning technologies under your current HR tech stack that you're not aware of. So strategically, it makes sense to either tack on to existing tools and technology that fit your use case. Sometimes it makes more sense to implement best in breed solutions. So something to make sure you're weighing the capabilities, yeah. the, the pros and cons and know your requirements, do your cost benefit analysis, think future state. That's the biggest thing is getting our mind wrapped around future state. What learning technology can take you to the farthest endpoint that they are research back, they're agile, they're always evolving. Those are the types of vendor relationships you want to have. Right? Those skill engines are popping up like mushrooms. I know. <laughs> really oh so my gosh. First, I was like, oh, MZ and Burning Glass, and then they yeah. merged, and then they got acquired, yeah. and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I know, it's like the whole tech landscape, it's, it's just changing so quickly, and it's it's just go with the, the, the trends, yeah. Um, I agree. Um, interestingly, I did a project last year with the Asian Development Bank and UNICEF uh, on learning technology selection framework, um, and it's it's called Questa. I can also share the paper with you. And so basically, you look at like four dimensions to consider when you're evaluating tech. I mean, this is after like what Elizabeth saying, like look at you know map it all out. Uh, look at what your current tech stack, uh, how do you envision this to be used with your business case, your alignment of your current state and your future state. I think um, um, taking on the system thinking is a very helpful looking at the whole ecosystem, right? And, and not just like piecemeal approach. Um, and so like in our framework, we, we look at four dimensions. Um, one is quality. And so basically is the system, you know, has the relevant functionalities, has good user experience, is it grounded on any kind of uh, learning theories or, or sound pedagogy, right? And then we look at effectiveness. So um, is it is it evidence-based? Is does it have um does it have proven impact? Um does it support your your goals and needs uh, of your users, right? And then and then a the third dimension is scalability. Uh, which exactly what you were saying, Elizabeth, like think about like, it's really hard to think about the future with, with learning tech because, you know, things change so much, but, but at least more the medium term, if you can, um, I know it's hard to say like 10 years down the world, but even two to three years, right? Don't think about your immediate needs and, and, and plans, but like two, three years out, um, is is how is it able to scale but also adapt right how it evolves over time um do they have does the vendor have a roadmap as well like does it match your organization's roadmap can you get um involved can you partner with the vendor are they willing to partner with you 
um, to, to work on that together. Um, and also, you know, we also fold in any of the security and privacy concerns under that mm-hmm. dimension. And finally, we look at affordability um, because a lot of that, you know, L&D could be multinationals. It could also be a, a you know, smaller, mid-sized company. There's lots of nonprofits in this space. There's a lot of NGOs. There's a lot of other organizations as well. Um, so, you know, value for money, it's an, an aspect that we look at. Um, and also, like, I think a lot of people perhaps a bit naive about the cost. Um, it's mm-hmm. one thing that the learning tech market is not very transparent. It's it's licensing costs, but also hidden costs like operational and maintenance. Um, I also, I learned this from a lawyer friend of mine um, about contracts and you want to know how easy it is to get out of a contract. So termination fees, data migration fees, like all of that, like you need to think about like when when you talk about looking into the future, right? Like this tech might not be what you want forever. So once you get all your content, once you get all your people, all the data in the system, how easy is it to get out of it? So that's a great point because with so many startups now, and maybe it's a better value, or maybe your budget is capped, yeah. and so you ha- you decide to go with a smaller, newer vendor getting out of it if it doesn't end up meeting your needs because I've been in a lot of sales pitches lately. (laughs) They all sound amazing and they can solve hunger. They all promise you the world. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Only get this small fee. Then you take the time to implement it and you're, oh, wow, this wasn't at all what I thought. So Mm -hmm. I really strong points. And I never, I can't even think past three years, like my roadmap. Same, same. And then every year I change the year after, but yeah, I agree. I'm going to recommend everybody to do like a mind map, like what you were talking about. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Great points. So many factors to consider here. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsor. Managing learning technologies can be a challenge for the modern learning leader, especially since 96% of organizations use more than one technology. The Managing Learning Technologies Certificate examines the learning technology lifecycle. Earning this certificate will help you successfully manage your learning tech stack and improve your learning initiatives at your organization. Download the course flyer at trainingindustry.com MLT to get started. To up your game and better manage the learning technologies at your organization, go to trainingindustry.com MLT. We've established that there's no shortage of learning tech solutions on the market, but even still, the LMS is one of the most popular ones. What recommendations do you both have for selecting and managing an LMS in your organization? Um, I can I can go first on this one if you don't mind. <laughs> um, I think same with any tech, right? Uh, just to reiterate a point of like, start with your goals. What what are you trying to do? And and I think um, don't wait until you're implementing. I think start at the beginning of the project to understand like what are you trying to achieve by implementing an LMS? And also there's a difference between um, are you implementing and like, have you had an LMS before? Is this the first time you implement it or are you replacing an existing system? Because there are different things to consider. And also to think about, um, again, it's not just a piece of tech. It, it would impact your culture it would impact the way you do your work it would impact many many things in your organization too um so so think it through from a strategy perspective um i can't stress enough about understand your intended users like define like who are they are they internal are they external um are you involving them and like understand like what what the use cases are um are they are they testing the system? Uh, are you getting feedback from them? Um, planning for future growth and shifts in direction, just like any tech. Um, and I really always try to, um, I have to say a lot of the LMS, many of them have very similar functionalities. Mm-hmm. So when it comes down to it, it's about um, the, the relationship that you build and the type of support they give you. Um, so I would really vet it through that, through that, um, and are they willing to partner with you in shaping the direction of 
where you want to take this tool in your company? What, what do you want to, you know, how do you use this platform in two, three years time? Are they supportive of, of helping you to configure that? Um, are the roadmaps aligned with your roadmap of the organization? Um, so these are a few tips or things to consider. I agree um, with your tips. And I've, I've tested and tried different types of learning management systems from the huge yeah. vendors who are not as flexible. If you want to make some changes or you have a niche need to the smaller yeah. ones that are willing to flex. So yeah. depending on your situation, definitely weighing which works best. And I mean, we still use an LMS. I think it, I agree, it's still relevant. It's our single source yeah. of truth for learning data. But I would say, Look for the newer forms of the LMS that align more closely with kind of the LXP concept mm -hmm, that have mm -hmm. those personalized learning pathways, curated content recommendations, social learning features, things that kind of appeal to our modern day learner a little bit more. But agree with all your points, so. Yeah, I, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. I think I agree with you too on that. They'll need it. Yeah, for sure. I think we've pretty much established that the learning tech space is moving so so fast. And again, this can be super overwhelming for L and D professionals, especially if they are a team of one or or don't have a super strong tech background. So, what tips do you have on really preparing yourself as an L and D leader to kind of stay ahead of this pace of change? I think it's really difficult to stay ahead. Um, it's so unknown. I can barely keep up with what's coming out in real time. I know. So I would say simplistically dedicate an uninterrupted time for yourself to read up on L&D trends, benchmarking with other L&D leaders to understand what tech they're using. Sometimes that can give new insights listening to podcasts like this or going to L&D tech conferences, following tech thought leaders like Stella, I think it's really important just to open your mind. Um, and then consider, I think we've mentioned this, but really consider to always be on top of the technology roadmaps of your vendors. <laughs> that mm. always gives me great insights into what's ahead in the learning space. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think first of all, I, um, I think cut yourself some slacks. Don't feel like you have to keep up with everything. Like we can't, um, yeah. and it would just stress you. You know, you you get stressed out. Um, I I think we already have enough of that the past few years about being stressed out, feeling burnout, and it really doesn't help. Like with that, I think like um, I really like Elizabeth's uh, point about um, yeah, maybe set aside some time with that intention of learning. I think we're learning people. I think we're good at doing that already. Um, just don't feel like you have to boil the ocean. And um, I, what I like to keep an eye out on is actually look beyond what's happening in L&D, look beyond the, the domain of education. Um, as, as we all know, uh, learning tech, it's not always in the cutting edge. Look at what happened in consumer tech. Uh, it trickles on eventually to learning, um, maybe three years from now, right? Um, so I often keep my eyes out on what's happening in the consumer-grade technologies. Look at, um, for example, uh, what's happening in Vegas, Consumer Electronic Show, CES. Yeah. Uh, lots of very interesting uh, products that are you know, still at the proof of concept stage that are just about to launch these products. And it gives you an indication of what's coming up next. Um, again, that's that in itself is overwhelming. Um, it has thousands of vendors, but just some highlights, right? Like AI is very big there. And you might want to see how AI is being used in, in consumer grade products. A lot of that, um, it's a solution looking for a problem. But that would also become like that in our space too, right? There's an apparent AI toothbrush um, that would actually talk to you as you brush your teeth. Yes. <laughs> yes. My sons have a toothbrush that has an app. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it gives you like dashboard data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, so does he like it? 
Oh, no. They think no. it's mine. <laughs> So, you can track it but yeah but but it gives me like you know like in in the learning space you you start seeing a little bit of like maybe contextual help coming into play um so a lot of what's happening in the consumer grade products is um making use of that contextual information and incorporate that into a personalized feedback think about the application in D is that contextual information could be very useful and powerful when giving you feedback at the moment of needs, right? And we talk about that for years in L&D. And that is a trend that I think it's coming, um, but it it's not here yet. It might take another two to three years. Um, and another thing to keep up is, um, I think it's becoming big, like I mentioned before, or bigger is the whole need for policies, the need for guidelines, the need for standards, the need to pay more attention to uh, ethics and all the related issues. So I think read and learn and and understand a little bit about that. I think having a more uh, skeptical and more analytical approach, it's very, very healthy. Um, resources like All Tech is Human, I think is a good site to look at. Um, there are others that um, you, I think there's Center for uh, Ethics. Um, so look again, broader than just L&D, uh, ethical concerns. Look at what is doing out there. What are what are some ethical concerns that happen and out there in the world? Because what's happening out in the world is likely to be the same problem that we're dealing in L and D. So um, so look beyond that. Agree. And learning what, who to follow. I mean, I was just happened to be on LinkedIn and it gave me a nudge that the CES keynote was going on with the Siemens CEO. And that's where I learned about their oh, yeah. company. All right. So it's just like happenstance that I happened to come across the CES keynote that talked about their new partnership with Sony. And then they're talking about what they're doing with automation and cars and what they're doing with um, scanning machines and healthcare. So I, I really like that point is kind of getting outside of your own circle of influence mm -hmm. and seeing what else is going on. Yeah. But I think the other um, thing it's, um, it's it's hard because there's so much, um, uh, so many people talking about so many different things. It's the ability to filter, like who do you listen? Who you know? Do you listen to the doomsday prediction <laughs> about AI is going to kill us all? Right? Like you kind of have to um, put on that critical thinking hat yeah. to say, oh, is this um, is this evidence based? Um, does this person has credibility uh is is this content even um is it an opinion piece or is it based on some kind of research or some kind of case studies um i i think um there's so much misinformation there's a lot of yeah. also regurgitation of the same thing um oh, that <laughs> right yeah. like i i i have to you know i see so many like five 15 tips on using chat gpt there's, there's so many different ways of that out there so you don't need to like read or learn like from 20 different sources like that but more about pick and choose the you know a diversity of, of input um i would also say um look outside north america look outside the more um euro anglo-centric view of looking at this technology because it's already um that's already baked in based on the the trading data that's already biases because we are looking at ai from a very uh you know eurocentric or white centric kind of view so i would also look at use cases from around the world it's funny what you're saying reminds me of when I enter a prompt into chat, chat GPT yeah. and whatever spits out, I can't take it as true form. You have to do your, use your own brain and thoughts and thinking and validating what is true. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Well, before we wrap up today, as we've established, navigating this technology space is extremely challenging, especially for L&D professionals who are not technology experts. Um, what skills do learning leaders need to optimize learning technologies in their organizations that may help them feel a little more confident in navigating this technology space? 
it's it's tough for LMD leaders now. We've got to be able to have a unique blend of skills that bridge the gap between human needs and technical capabilities. Mm-hmm. So on a basic level, I would say technical acumen to some extent mm-hmm. is broaden your understanding of learning technology, having that ability to evaluate, select technology, yeah. staying up to date on emerging trends, secondary, more for LD leaders, but having that strategic vision. You have to be able to align the technology with your learning and business goals and yes. connecting the dots between technology and overall learning strategy, ensuring you have a learning technology roadmap. I honestly didn't start that until a few years ago, and now I have a technology learning roadmap. That's part of my overall strategy and vision as well. And then two skills that I'm stealing from the World Economic Forum, <laughs> Future of Jobs Report. but. Yeah. One of the critical skills, I think it was number two, creative thinking and the ability to come up with unique solutions to problems and then curiosity, which was number five, I think, on the top skills Mm -hmm. and the impulse to explore new possibilities is really valuable to optimize uh, learning technology. Yeah, I think um, pretty similar. I I think um, adding on to the creative thinking, I I would call it... um, I don't know, convergent thinking. Um, it's, it's the ability to kind of integrate or systems thinking is another aspect that I think um, we often um, get caught up in like our world or, you know, organizations as silo and you don't get the real across. Um, especially in L&D, sometimes we uh, focus on like what's happening in L&D. We don't talk to even across uh, the organization. So... To, to have that view, I think it's important to, under, and also to understand, um, like just by implementing a, a learning tag or a suite of learning tags doesn't even mean it always have a positive impact to the organization, right? Um, or, or it doesn't mean it it's good for employee learning. Um, like you have to think about like, is this aligned to your business goals? And or also like like what problem are you solving? Uh, or what opportunities are you bringing by introducing this new technology? Um, I also would say in terms of like skill sets or, or mindsets, um, be prepared to um, change your mind as technology evolves. Um, <laughs> I, I had to do that several times last year uh, as, as AI evolves. Like you can say, oh, wow, ChatGPT doesn't give you uh, reference sources. So, you know, this is a problem. But then the next thing you know, they, they, they start giving you um, citations. But then you, the next thing you need to think about is, are the citations any good? Are they are they are they true? Right. So so you have to kind of change your mind and 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 evaluate different things about the same tech as it evolves. Um, so I would say update your assumptions regularly and cross-reference technology beyond the L&D applications. Perfect. So to conclude, are there any final takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? I feel like given all the takeaways already in our conversation. <laughs> yes, we covered a lot of ground here. Um, I think for me, and we said it in some of the skill sets, but being open-minded and curious, the technology shaping our world, impacting our learning habits and behaviors is not going away. It's really unpredictable. It's forever changing. So staying on top of the trends is important, but also experiment with the new technology yourself. Get a feel for how they work. So I'm personally testing outside of work. I'm testing beautiful AI which is a PowerPoint generator based on palms. Bard AI. (laughs) Oh, you're testing that too. Are you testing Bard AI just came out through Google, their chat GPT. I'm testing that one. More as like a research partner, testing my assumptions. Um, I did study, I did test study fetch just for fun. And then co-assemble, they, I know Stella, you mentioned a lot of free tools. I went on to co-assemble and they let me build a sample course for free. This is all just- yeah, it's just just for fun, just learning outside of work. And then inside of work, 
your organization might have enabled like Microsoft Copilot, like we just pilot, we're piloting that now. That's really an AI companion for all of our office products. So test, experiment, learn how to write good prompts, I think is key. And then just try not to get lost in the clutter. So as we mentioned, mapping out what you have, how does it align with business strategy, L&D strategy, be really thoughtful about what the right learning technology is for your organization and for your learners to have the biggest impact. Those are my yeah. kind of key takeaways. Yeah, I think um, my takeaways don't get caught up in the hype of mm -hmm. AI. Um, I personally do not like the term AI because um, by calling it intelligent, um, it gives people unrealistic expectations of what the tool can do. Um, it is at the end of the day, a tool that can help us do our jobs. Um, so don't get too caught up and recognizing that we are still the one that need to evaluate, the one that needs to figure out what makes sense, uh, what context is appropriate. And we are the one that also need to push back when it's used inappropriately. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, like go in with your eyes wide open. Um, yeah, experiment, but don't, um, don't think it's gonna be this magic that <laughs> I've, I've heard people say that uh, yeah. when when testing out tools they were like oh my god this is magical this is amazing but but stay grounded in understanding um everything has risks we have to think about that and also everything has opportunity cost um so think stay grounded as you um keep experimenting with these tools yeah so many great takeaways and tips really throughout this whole episode. So, so on that note, thank you both so much for speaking with us today on the podcast. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd, le if they'd like to reach out after the episode? Um, yeah, um, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, you want to go? Oh, I just on LinkedIn, you can find me Elizabeth Green on LinkedIn. I was going to say the same. <laughs> I, I'm most active on LinkedIn. Uh, also, um, ParadoxLearning.com is my company. Uh, also, I post um, a lot of my uh, resources out there. Um, so feel free to reach out to me either through their website or LinkedIn um, to have continued conversation. To learn more about learning technologies, visit the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, let us know, rate or review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.